situation. No more struggle. No more challenges. No more battle. Because there comes a time where you need to rest from your battle. And God said after today, you shall rest from your battle. The battle of your marriage. The battle of your business. The battle of your finances. The battle of your sickness. The battle of your shame. The battle of your disgrace. The battle of your setback. The battle of the pains you don't want to forget. God said you will rest from your battle. Father, we thank you for your grace and your faithfulness. We submit and yield unto you completely. Have your way with our life and let your word touch us today in Jesus' name. Amen. It is a story that it's cast in a setting of family. It's a family story or it's a family issue that is common to families. But it has some undeniable truths. That's when you critically look beyond the text with the eye of the spirit of God, you'll be able to understand what is behind the scene which caused the challenge or the situation within the family context. One of the things you and I have to realize and to understand is that nothing just happens. Everything that happens has a reason and has a source for why it happened. And your ability to be able to decode the mystery behind the happenings will also grant you an understanding about how you are able to tackle or deal with the issue. If you are not able to diagnose the issue well, you will not be able to solve the problem as far as it is. So you realize that the problem can reoccur in your life over and over and over again and you are not able to deal with it just because you have not been able to diagnose and know the cause of the problem. What I'm going to do this morning is to have a diagnostic view to the scripture I am going to read. So I'm going to diagnose the word of God and then bring out the issues and then we'll look for the prescription. Is that okay? Okay, so I'm the doctor today in the in the in the in the hospital. So follow me. He said, Now there was a certain man of Raphael Zophen of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah the son of Jeroham, the son of Elu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, an Ephraimite, which means he's from Ephraim. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went out from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all his sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed the womb. And the rival also provoked them severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed the womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to Hannah, Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, 
O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. In other words, the child will be a Nazarite. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that they like what a mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. 19. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And then Canaan knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah and her husband said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you are winning. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she has winning him. Now when she had winned him, she took him up with her, with three bulls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, Oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed. And the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord. Amen. This is a very long scripture, but let me do a quick summary of what I've just read. Now, if you looked at this scripture that I've read, it can be divided into certain parts, which captures every event and make it real. The first part is that it gives us the family background. Say the family background. Now the family background we have here tells us that the family in which we are going to talk about is a family that the head of the family is called Elkanah. And that family is a family from the tribe of Ephraim which is the, the, the son of, of um, what do you call it? The son of Joseph. Which is one of the sons of Joseph. Which is even the youngest one you can even talk of. So Ephraim, it's where this family comes from. They come from that tribe of the Ephraimites. And if you study the trend, it tells you also that that family has a very prestigious history which actually makes them unique because they follow the pattern of worship of the Jews which means that they respect the laws of God enshrined in the five books of Moses called the Torah. That is, it also shows you the second part of the worship life or the godly life of the family. The family doesn't go to the shrine, but they go to God. 
Amen. It says that they worship God yearly. They go to Shiloh. That is where the presence of God or the ark of the covenant of God is. According to God's ordinance. So they go there yearly to offer sacrifice and worship before the Lord and they return. So that tells you that the family is a devout family. It's a family that fears God and honors God. Are we getting somewhere? The third division of this story, it also brings to you the family scenario or the problem within the family. And in the family scenario, it shows you that the man had a wife or had wives. One is called Penina and the other is called Hannah. Penina had children or daughters and sons. But Hannah doesn't have because her womb has been closed by the Lord. As to why the Lord closed her womb, that is another matter we will be able to talk about later. But it tells you that this is a family that though there is a blessing, but there is also an issue in the family. And one of the women had an issue, which is the issue of a child. And then the other has children. Then it gives us another picture of the family, which is the fourth scenario. And the fourth scenario also talks about the attitude within the family. The attitude within the family is that the man has a special love for one of the wives and treats the other wife as normal. Are you there with me? So, for instance, when it comes to Penina, the husband, which normally happens, the husband loves Hannah more and then loves Penina also in a way. So, whenever he is sacrificing or giving his offering, he will give Penina her portion, which is rightful hair, and give Penina's children a due. So, Penina has more. But when it comes to Hannah, because he doesn't have, and because of the love of the husband for her, the husband gives double to Hannah. Then you came to look at the antagonistic nature of the family. That is another scene also to look at. That is the antagonistic in terms of the battles within the family or the challenges or the rivalry that is going on within the family. It's a very nice family. That is to tell you that even in the families among Christians, there is a war. Amen. So there is some war that is going on in that family. There is no peace. They will go to the house of the Lord to go and worship. But that is where rivalry takes place. When the man moves away, then jealousy starts. And rivalry begins. Because Penina feels jealous that Hannah has a double portion. And the truth is that he doesn't even have a child. But why should she get a double portion? Why should the man... What's the, what is so special about Hannah that the, the husband loves Hannah more than he, her Penina? So that shows you of the heart of men. And the magnitude of the hatred heated up so much that it makes that family an uncomfortable one. That when the man thought they should have joy at the sacrifice, they always return with pain. Because Penina would trouble Hannah and make sure that Hannah would not be happy. And he always leaves Hannah crying and be in pain. Then there is the next transition of the story. Where at a certain time that Hannah can no more bear with the challenge. So that shifted from the realm of ravery to the realm of prayer. What a nice prose. So he enters into the realm of prayer which we can call the climbers. So now we are the climbers. And at the climbers, Hannah decided to settle the issue once and for all with his creator or the one who understands her better. And so she now enters into prayer with her pain. And out of that prayer, 
God answered her prayer and God now gives her the answer, which you can call the anticlimax, which is the evidence of the result to prayer. And then she receives a Samuel and says that I asked him of the Lord and this is what I have. Such a nice story. Isn't it a very nice story? Okay. Now, what are the lessons of this story? One, this story teaches us a lesson. I'm speaking to you on a message I've titled The Spirit of Penina. The Spirit of Penina. What is the spirit of Penina? When we talk of a spirit, a spirit is not a wind. It's not an air. Amen. It is something that you can describe as invincible but has a physical impact. It is invincible but it has what? Physical impact. So when he said this is a spirit, it's like you cannot see with your naked eye but it has an influence. So as a spirit enters into a place and you feel the presence. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has personality. You cannot see with your eyes but he has an influence. When he comes upon a person, you will see the person behaving right now. When the devil, the spirit of the devil enters into somebody, you will see the person standing alone of a person the person will change. In fact, even the voice of the person will change. If you have met them before. I'm not talking about a fetish priest who decided to take some uh, 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 wine and then he decided to say that he's, he's in the spirit. Amen. When he went to charge and he said, before I will come down, let me have some appetition. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anytime a spirit acts on somebody, you will see the difference. For instance, when I am with you physically, I am a different person altogether. Immediately I take the microphone and I stand here, I am a different person. If you can't see the difference, then you have a problem. Amen. So, whenever you are within the environment of the functions of the spirit, you might be you, but you operate differently with a different grace. There is a kind of command and authority you operate in, which it is not natural. So, when I talk of the spirit of Penina, Penina is a personality. Tell somebody, Penina is a personality. Tell that person, Penina is a personality. So it is what you can call maybe a paradoxical team. In other words, paradox in the sense that yes, it's a spirit, but it's dealing with a human. In other words, the character of the human points to you and I that hey, the thing is a personality that can have an influence. And in this story, Penina positioned herself to be the thorn in the life of Hannah. So every time Anna wants to turn, he, she will confront a penina. Anytime Anna wants to move with her life, Hannah will confront a penina. The penina decided that as long as I live, I will make your life hell. Are we getting somewhere? In your life, as you are listening to me right now, there is a penina in your life. Because the penina in your life is that thing that is making sure that your life will not be complete. The joy of the Lord for your life will not be complete. Anytime your joy has to be full, that is when a penina shows up. Sometimes it can show up in lack. It can show up in sickness. It can show up in betrayal. It can show up in insult. It can show up in, in an area you never expected him or her to show up. It, it might not be 
you, but you see it happening. And sometimes the penina will be your own attitude and your own problem. Anytime you want to advance, your attitude could be anger, it can be drunkenness, it can be womanizing, it can be masturbation, it can be telling of lies, it can be whatever. So you, you do it anytime a blessing is coming your way, you have to tell a lie. By the time you are finishing telling the lie, the truth comes out and you miss out. And, and, and you start all over again. Every time you have to advance, something will happen that will cause you pain. Penina is a representation of pain you don't want to have. In fact, it is a serious stone that makes you uncomfortable. Ask somebody, who is the penina in your life? I'm not surprised the house is quiet because the first service, they were quiet. It's more than a cemetery. Ask the person sitting by you, what penina is in your life? Because the whole issue is that they go, I've given you a summation of the story, they go yearly to Shiloh to offer sacrifice and to pray. Ideally, they are in an atmosphere of joy. Don't you agree with me? Hello, do you agree with me? Yes. They are in an atmosphere of joy. They are in an atmosphere of peace. So naturally, they should return from Shiloh with joy. But every time they are returning from Shiloh, they are coming with a heavy heart. Every time they are returning with Shiloh, they are coming with a pain. Every time they are returning with Shiloh, they are coming with a challenge. And once the woman is not happy, I don't believe the man will be happy. So, Penina is always there targeting. Why didn't the Bible tell us that when they are in the house, Penina troubles Anna? So, Penina suspends everything until they go to Shiloh. When you have gone to pray, that day you have charged very well, and you have prayed, you have believed God for a miracle, you are in high spirit, and you are singing hallelujah, you just walk out of and the phone call rings, and when you pick the call, the information you receive at the other end, before you will realize you are either crying or you are fighting. Your whole mood is messed up. You drove out, somebody will cross you, and before you know, you, you are in your element. If you don't take time, you give some blows. Destroys all your joy. You have money, you have plans for the money, you have fasted and prayed. The money enters into you and once you are about to use it, something from nowhere will just enter and then you spend all the money. Once the money is finished, then everything takes control. A penny now has entered. You never had a challenge until somebody proposed to you. Immediately the proposal comes, then the problem starts. You never felt sick until examination day. You sat behind the paper and you are about to write. You have studied and you know you are sure. That is the day that you get sick. A penina has arrived. Everybody will go and write. Anytime you are writing your exams, that is when somebody will cheat and they will cancel the paper. A penina has shown up. There are penina friends in our life who whenever, there are some friends whenever they enter into your life, they leave you with pain. It's a penina. They, they, they don't make you fulfill the joy you need to fulfill. Somebody will visit your home. By the time he's leaving your home, he leaves your home with problems. It's a penina. So the spirit of penina is everywhere. It might be personal or universal. 
But whichever way you look at it, a spirit of penitence is that spirit that does not want you to have the fullness of the peace and the joy that you are supposed to have. I don't know who is the penitent in your life. And I don't know what the penitent is. But one thing I can tell you for sure is that a penitent is closer to you than you can even think of. So ask the person, you are sitting by me now, are you a penitent? <laughs> Somebody say mercy. So a penitent can be a child, a penitent can be a husband, it can be a wife, it can be a friend, it can be a body body. Whatever it is, I am just saying, I'm not pointing that a penitent can be closer to you than you think. And the penitent sees everything about your life. And the penitent knows everything. And he knows your challenge. And he knows where to hit you hard. So that you can feel it. And you see, a penitent can hold on to a little problem in your life. And squeeze you all the time in that place. So that you feel the pain. As long as he's squeezing you, he's keeping you under his control. You can't go anywhere. A penina can blackmail you from morning till evening. And you only have to sing the song of that penina. But after today, you free yourself from a penina spirit. I say you free yourself from a penina spirit. I say you free yourself from a penina spirit. This story is an interesting story. But it still tells us what we have to learn. So the issue here is that one, it reveals to us that you and I have to serve God. Because Elkanah and his family were devoted to God. Two, it showed us of the love of God. The love of God. The love of God in the sense that though Hannah was barren, but the husband always gives her a double portion. What does it teach us? It tells us that God knows our weakness, but the love of God for us cannot be taken away because we have a weakness. God knew we have a weakness, but he still loves us. Tell the person, God still loves you. Irrespective of your weakness. You see, the devil can be a penny now who sees the weakness in your life and who always uses as a trump card against you to accuse you. Bible said that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. So he makes you feel bad about your life. He makes you feel unworthy. He makes you feel that you are not, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve that. You don't qualify for this. You don't qualify for that. And sometimes it makes you feel that low. With all that God is doing for me, I am not qualified to even stand before the Lord. There are people who even find it difficult to stand before God and ask God something because they think that they are so sinful that God cannot even hear their prayer. Have you met somebody like that before? Look, I didn't say you. I said, have you met somebody like that? That when you are talking to me, I say that, well, I know God answers prayer, but me, I know my life that God will not hear my prayer. I want to suggest to you this morning that it doesn't matter how you feel or think about yourself. I want you to know that God loves you irrespective of your weakness. Irrespective. Irrespective. Your weakness does not deter the love of God for us. Bible said that whilst we were yet sinners, he didn't say when we were yet righteous. He said when we were yet sinners, Christ came to do what? To die for us. He tells us that, you see, this story tells us that the only place we carry our challenge to is Shiloh, the house of the Lord. Hannah had an issue. 
But the issue is not in the house. She carries that issue yearly to the house of the Lord. Tell the person, Hannah also came to the house of the Lord. Tell the person, Hannah also came to the house of the Lord. So it means that it is not the people who are well and the people who are okay that comes to the house of the Lord. But you need to have an issue and when you have an issue, you come to the house of the Lord. So the house of the Lord is where solution is provided for your sickness and for your challenge. I might come to the house of the Lord wear dress. I might come to the house of the Lord singing. I might come to the house of the Lord in my suit. I might come in the house of the Lord with my car. But hey, don't be fooled by my dress and don't be fooled by my cuteness. I might have an issue that is eating me up it is only God that knew what I am carrying you don't sit with your issue in the house this story tells us that if Anna goes to the house of the Lord yearly with her barrenness, what it simply means is that no matter what we are going through, we should not forsake the gathering of the brethren. Yes, you might be going through some pain. You might be going through some challenge. You might be going through some trouble. But hey, come to the house of the Lord with a problem. Come to the house of the Lord. The tradition and the practice has been that when I have problems, I will not serve the Lord. I will not come to church. And to the extent that you can even realize that people begin to come to church when things begin to do well with their life. And when things are well, they will come to church and give testimony. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. And his mercies endure forever. I said the other day, the Lord was good and gracious to me. In fact, I prayed and God answered. And God did it. What about the days you prayed and God didn't answer? Does it mean that God has traveled? Oh, hello. When, when, when things are rosy, you will see them well dressed. And when they are coming, they are shining and, and bouncing with joy and everything. And they want everybody to know that they have arrived. But when things are not right, they find it difficult to come before the presence of the Lord. Listen, God wants you to serve him in good times and in bad times. It doesn't matter what time you find yourself. God is saying, I am still there for you. I am still there for you. Hannah comes before the Lord yearly. What did he come to do? They come to sacrifice and to come to worship. In her pain, she was still serving God. In her challenge, she was serving God. In her trouble, she was serving God. In the ridicule, she was serving God. In her weakness, she was serving God. Because in their days, having a child, or not having a child, is a big issue. If you don't have, it's a big issue. It's a serious issue. So, but in the midst of it all, Hannah was still serving the Lord. In other words, yours might not be that, but yours might be a job. Yours might be a health challenge. Yours might be an academic challenge. Yours might be a financial challenge. Yours might be some problem. Whatever problem, God is saying that irrespective of what you are going through, it should not stop you from offering sacrifice and worship unto me. So it's a story that teaches us that we should not be limited. Though you have no excuse, I have no excuse to tell God that for this and that reason, that is why I didn't worship you. That is why I was not in church. That is why I cannot come to church. Listen to me. Somebody make a statement said, whether shoe or no shoe, serve the Lord. Tell the person, serve the Lord. Whether work or no work, serve the Lord. Whether troubled or happy, serve the Lord. Because the best place to go is the house of the Lord. God never said he's screening you to see everything is perfect before he will accept you. 
There is no perfect admission in the house of the Lord. We are all sick folks in a sick bay. Looking for the physician to heal us. So don't be deceived by anybody to think that the house of the Lord is full with perfect people. Ask somebody, are you perfect? The other person give you an answer. That is why we need a preacher to speak and to preach to us. But a preacher even preaching also goes through the same word. So that it will also be better. Because we all need to be healed. 